you stand before the uh, chamber of failure, right? Right. Okay. You go up to try and open it, and it won't open. What? I know. But you notice to the right a scale jutting out of the wall. Right. And there's some ancient language across it. But you can decipher it because, you know, from the last mission, you picked oh, yeah, up the glasses yeah, yeah. of interpretation. Yes, yes. It basically says that you have to provide a, a very minute amount of ejaculate to right. open the door. Okay, yeah, but yeah. because you're a rogue elf who are infamous for providing large quantities of ejaculate, yeah. you can't do it. So you have to do a magic spell yep. to reduce your testicles to that of a gnome. And therefore, you'll have enough ejaculate to... Okay. So roll roll, roll for that. Right. Goes off on an 18. 18, Goes yeah. off on an 18. Yeah. That, that's good. So, so you've now got small balls. Right, okay, perfect. Right, okay. Well, and that now, was ideal um, yeah. with the interpretive glasses yeah perfect. yeah yeah exactly Great. It all works in tandem yeah amazing so now you uh, roll again to see if you successfully pleasure thine self brilliant yeah oh 13 What's 13 that? well you've, you've not been able to i've not no why not? you're is trapped it... you're just trapped there now you're gonna die has someone come in uh yeah, come yeah, home yeah, early or yeah something? yeah and your balls are small forever so <sighs> cinnaboys to cinnamon episode 12 12 12 uh <laughs> hope you're well wherever you are whatever you're doing uh this week dungeons and dragons Indeed. Uh, what's the what's the add-on bit? I've forgotten. Dungeons Honor are... amongst thieves. That's it. Honor amongst thieves. Themes? Thieves. Yes. <laughs> Honor amongst thieves. Yeah. We'll be talking about themes, though. So. We will, yeah. We're on a tight ship here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, wait a minute. Oh, no, sorry. We're not doing that anymore. <laughs> no. Yeah. We're, okay, yeah. In fact, we're just cancelling it now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we always make some variation of that joke every intro. <laughs> um, yeah, so Dungeons & Dragons, as it's, of course, a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, film, we will be having a good old chin wag about the fantasy genre, indeed, and also about the revival of nerd culture. Yes, and its positives and potential for not potential and definite negatives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, the discussion around the film itself. We were saying actually when we came out of the cinema that uh, we're not sure how much we can really say because I mean we don't want to give too much away, but it's hard to really have a lot of thoughts about it, isn't it? Really? Oh yeah, big time. Uh, I don't. I. I I've allowed it to gestate and I haven't really taken a lot more from it. And that's not a, by no, no means like a negative thing at no, all. not at all. But yeah, Agreed. it'll be quite a short re- review at the end, yeah. I feel. But yeah, yeah. Um, that's fine. Yeah, that's all it good. Is, yeah. Yeah. Do a shortening it, can't we, anyway? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, getting, it's getting to the point now where you, you can't go for a walk for an hour and 50 minutes <laughs> no, on your no. own. <laughs> so. Unless you get lost. Indeed, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Or you've been kicked out of your house. May, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, right, shall we uh, get into it? Yes. Righto. Okay then, so the fantasy genre. In the indeed. In, indeed. <laughs> Good start. Good start. <laughs> so let's have a stab at trying to unpack its popularity. Yeah. Um, as we always try to hear at Cinnaboys to Cinnamon, <laughs> tackle lofty subjects with very little research or <laughs> but, yeah. I I would sort of say that at face value, and I know there are plenty of uh, fantasy films and other forms of media that, that would go against this, but primarily I think a lot of the success of fantasy, at least initially, is escapism. Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. It's, it's perhaps the kind of escapism that can envelop you the most. Yeah, it's overtly another world, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. And that's the whole thing. Not That's not to say that if you love fantasy, it doesn't mean the real world doesn't appeal to you at all. But, I mean, other forms of media and other like genre of genres of films, you know, off the top of my head, like, I don't know, a film like The Big Short or yeah. High Life. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know, something like that. It wouldn't have that same kind of otherworldly appeal that your Lord of the Rings and your sort of labyrinths mm. and, uh, yeah, otherworldly sort of realm that you can... Uh, sweep yourself away to for yeah. two and a half hours or I'm th- I kind of think it all does sort of start with Tolkien although I'm not sure what his influences were but, well I think yeah. with with Tolkien I mean I mean I used to be a huge I mean I'm not as much as I used to be but I used to be a huge Lord of the Rings fan especially when I was a teenager yeah yeah um obviously we, we were brought up in that era when they were coming out although funnily enough they came out quite early on into my secondary school life I mean I think Return of the Kings like 2013 no 2003 sorry yeah yeah 2001 2 and 3 yeah so yeah. it's funny that I always think it's happened when I was older anyway mm. um, but I think he was very much influenced by folklore myth and folklore of course yeah, yeah. Um, which I think underpins a lot of sort of the most classic or archetypal examples of fantasy yeah yeah myth yeah. folklore theology I mean you got the 
elves and fairies and yeah certainly and then obviously you have things like sort of the irish folklore like banshees and that kind of different types of ghosts yeah yeah willow the wisps and stuff like that and yeah that's probably the i think that would be i mean i'm sure there are other examples but i guess like folklore is fantasy yeah in many ways i mean it's probably a more affecting version of of fantasy because obviously as we discussed in the previous episode there we go we're already doing it we're already calling back to ourselves again (laughs) but you know the idea that mythology and folklore is embedded deeply in our sort of collective Mm. consciousness and particularly way back when we didn't necessarily have the ways in which to try and understand or decipher our environment yeah and i guess that is their version of fantasy would be their version of fantasy and now obviously people like tolkien mind that deep cavern of of, of mythology royalty free as well royalty free yeah (laughs) as did disney yes Um, yeah yeah and you know use that as sort of almost the foundation for his own mm. stab at a mythology that is just yeah unrivaled as well yeah yeah, in terms of world building like it he did it so he hit the mark so beautifully first time round and pretty much every other kind of fantasy writer or like I guess fantasy storyteller in general has always got to stand in his shadow um did C.S. Lewis write at the same time as him am I right they did yeah I think they knew each other yeah yeah so maybe actually both of those they were were kind of the titans weren't they and you got yeah it's funny like obviously I was swept by the Lord of the Rings fervor as much as everyone else and I would spend every waking hour thinking about it, reading about it, yeah, collecting all the figures, having oh, yeah. you know everything. I remember my dad was a big influence on me about that as well. He loved it. Okay, yeah, and yeah. I think that was a huge part of the reason. It was already sort of in my mind before the films, right? Okay, um, yeah, because yeah. he was such a big fan. But yeah, no, I, I I struggle to think of anyone that's as much of a titan as him. No. Certainly in terms of Western, yeah, um, influence on the genre as a whole. I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at the films as well as similarly, I mean, very well adapted. I'm, I'm not talking about The Hobbit, by the way. Um, I fucking don't like those at all. But, um, yeah, they, the films since, even like the Narnia adaptations, and even to a certain extent, like something like Harry Potter, they, they're standing in the shadow of Lord of the Rings, and they, you know, for good reason. It is just sort of, yeah, cream of the crop. Interesting, because folklore, I said this before, but folklore, they, they're always like cautionary tales. So as an example, like you've got Will-O-The-Wisp, which is basically like light mm-hmm. uh, that float around lakes and stuff. The idea is they draw in, like kind of almost like a siren, except it never oh, took the okay. form of what it would draw yeah. in like travellers and stuff, and they drown. And so that's kind of oh, a cautionary okay. tale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny how all of a sudden, I don't know when this happened, it could have been sort of the 16th century or it could have been Tolkien, that cautionary side of it gave way to just world building. Yeah, I, I think it is. It, you, I think you're partially right. I think we're sort of going against our earlier point, really, about how the popularity of fantasy is rooted in escapism, wholly rooted in escapism. Yeah. Uh, I do believe that is a huge part of it, but I also think it's the way in which people like Tolkien at the time was obviously very... He'd, he'd come back from the First World War. Mm, yeah. He'd seen the environmental destruction that humanity was capable of, and I think that obviously influenced a lot of the stuff he did yeah. For stuff like Isengard, for example, and the chopping down the Banghorn Forest and yeah, all this, you know, yeah. so like industrial, yeah, the sort of, the, of yeah, the sort of remorseless destruction of this sort of industrialized world, mm. which wasn't necessarily just him writing about that. I mean, people like Dickens was writing about that for a long time, before, yeah, com- yeah, before Tolkien. But I guess it's someone that could embed those ideas into into like yeah. um, into a, into a fantasy work, and it sort of, as I said earlier sort of undermines that point about it being pure escapism but what i think about lord of the rings that works quite well is that it can be pure escapism yeah should you choose it to be mm, yeah uh, whereas you know i think you can sort of ignore that those pretty sort of overt environmental oh, yeah. messages it's interesting as well as, as lord of the rings has gone on just staying with the themes of lord of the rings for a little bit yeah, um, yeah. there's a lot of discourse about how troubling its aspects of it Yes, yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, in terms of the presentations of race yeah. and um, and other things like that, which is, I think this will tie in quite nicely with our discussion about fandom, which we're going to talk about later. But yeah, that has been yeah. like a real, uh, really divided people because obviously you get people that are like Tolkien purists, Lord of the Ring purists, who would die on a hill for that mythology, mm. um, who steadfastly reject this notion that the book is, you know, in some ways it's portrayals of certain cultures yeah, um, through the guy. And, you know, let's be honest, I mean, you know, a lot of the more nefarious or evil contingents or armies in Lord of the Rings, you know, they're not, they're not 
white Western cultures. No, are they? they're not. No, <laughs> and then you have their kind of pristine elves, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're kind of uh, the, the bourgeoisie of all, yeah. but they're portrayed as being entirely almost godlike yeah uh, yeah as yeah. opposed to being the p- source of the problem <laughs> yeah yeah which obviously you know it's his world he didn't spin it i think that they're sort way, of but, arrogant yeah. to a fault aren't they the, mm. the elves but yeah you're right in terms of that ethereal grace yeah you know, yeah the, yeah i just think it's a really interesting point to touch on i mean i don't know how i stand on the argument i don't really know enough about the arguments that have been put forward but i think it's really interesting that there's you know there's this developed sort of discussion about this text that's so old mm. and you think about you know, it's had this heyday with the films and since then obviously the fervors died down yeah it's risen slightly with the with the amazon show yeah yeah um uh. just an interesting thing in regards to the films <laughs> i mean when you think about a sort of fantasy a watershed moment in terms of our lives mm. um oh, christ I, yeah. I, I can't think i mean the only things i can think of apart from that it's like watching labyrinth Okay. Yeah. Or yeah. Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that for me is, you know, the, one of the I've mentioned that before, but one of the big moments in my mm. life as a kid, um, and being obsessed with that again. It, obviously, the the escapist element appealed to me a lot more then. Yeah. As a, as a, yeah. As a sort of <laughs> seven or eight year old. Yeah. This idea that that they can create these worlds and these creatures and these sort of, you know, obviously they're leaning heavily or, or exclusively on Greek mythology. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's just this idea that they can realise that mythology and, and, yeah. and it's sort of. I think my relationship with Lord of the Rings at that time in my life as a teenager was no different to my relationship with Jason the Argonauts when I was eight oh, or nine years really? old. Okay. And the idea that this is just this huge world, yeah. so much depth to it. And regardless of what you think of Tolkien as a writer, I mm. actually don't think Lord of the Rings has written that well, personally. A lot of, a lot, a lot of songs in it. Yeah. Just break just, into song. <laughs> yeah, like I've been reading it through recently just for the sake of like getting into the just having a little a little go at it and i just thought oh, god this really isn't i don't know just personally i'm i'm I hope i don't have like you know no i, I flaming do. copy of lord of the rings posted <laughs> through my house <laughs> burn it down but smeared in shit smeared in shit yeah <laughs> no i um i think the two towers is probably the best book it's also the best film in my opinion oh really i yeah. i think fellowship's the best but i also think fellowship's the worst book as well i think it it takes council of elrond yeah, fucking hell. I remember I mean, reading that when I was like 15 and I was like, what the... F-? Yeah, that, I mean, Peter Jackson did an amazing job of adapting an almost unadaptable scene. Yeah, <laughs> and, brevity. Right? Yeah, 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 fucking hell. Uh, yeah, tough, tough read that entire, what was it, like six chapters or something? I'm not sure. Maybe just even the one chapter. It's ridiculous random. page count, that's all I remember. Yeah, Lord of the Rings, for me, weirdly, my parents went to see it first before I got a chance. Uh, it's 2001. I was a bit young for it oh yeah because um, I mean the orcs are quite gruesome yeah you know yeah, what I mean they're, yeah, yeah. they're, they're, they're like horribly designed aren't yeah, they? yeah yeah really like smarmy gnarly little creatures and um, yeah uh, they came back and they fucking hated it they absolutely hated it I remember distinctly them coming back from the cinema and saying it was just boring uh, and so that was my exposure to Lord of the Rings and Fellowship of the Ring and then my friend Jim right he saw it and he's like, right, everyone, have you have to come around mine. As soon as it comes out on video, day one, I'll go and get it. And we'll go and we'll watch Lord of the Rings. And we did. And I was like blown away. I was like, I couldn't believe that I was misled. <laughs> I was like, that's incredible. And I'd, I'd love to get them to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. Because I just think there's something so brilliant about the way that story was told and you know even even down like if you strip it down to the basics you know you've got the hobbits which are you know there's that line isn't there even the smallest person can change the course of the future and that's yeah. such a universal message I yeah think that's yeah. really it's trite, right isn't it completely but it's, but it's yeah, done yeah. well isn't it yeah. yeah absolutely and there's you know there's such a wonderful scene at the end where you know yeah the, the small the small people are making a big difference and i think that's that is part of the reason why the escapism works so well is because the central when you boil it down to its bare bones, the central message is so just like universal. Yeah. yeah. Despite what we were saying earlier about the historical context in which it was written and the opinions and attitudes towards certain cultures did bleed into that a lot. And that is like a troubling thing. But on the flip side, it does have that universal kind of message, I think. Yeah. I I, I think, um, I mean, I can't speak to anyone that was involved in the creative process of Lord of the Rings, but (laughs) the film, I mean, but um, 
or films. Yeah. But uh, I think, you know, I think they're adapting source material and they're adapting it faithfully to a point. I mean, I know a lot of people in the Tolkien estate really didn't like the films. Yeah. Um, and obviously they make lots of changes for the sake of taking this incredibly dense piece of work into like three separate movies. Granted, they're fucking long movies if you get mm. the extended edition, but there's still yeah. so much to compact, to pack into. Yeah. Um, watch them every year, I think. Yeah, I yeah. about once a but year. I think you... You know, you, I was going to sort of say you can enjoy them. I still feel, I think my relationship with Lord of the Rings has changed. I think it's dampened a little bit. I, I'm not as emphatic about them as I once was. Okay. I think I might have burnt myself out on them being right. like a teenager and sort of like, you know, yeah, yeah. getting really, probably alarmingly in, <laughs> too into it. Um, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to, yeah. to digest with them. But I guess after, a, even after you kind of digest to stuff like the military strategy that's in it yeah because like, yeah. there's a bit of that in in the film in the films and then you can kind of there's fan yeah. theories about the rakai uh army and how that those formations worked <laughs> and stuff like that this uh, is where i was when yeah I was doing yeah, yeah and, and i that, think yeah. you can enjoy that and i mm. still think yes there are elements that i think are all part of the modern discourse mm, obviously yeah. you know the films were made before a lot of these discussions were happening i'm sure these discussions were happening yeah but perhaps not to the scale that they are now no and they i think we yeah. you know we have to accept that those things are going to happen but enjoying yeah. it doesn't necessarily make you an enemy of the progress those discussions might bring to the table it's just it's strange that some people are so i mean you're allowed to have an opinion about it but mm. it's strange that some people are so vehemently like anti the idea of anything being remotely negative about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Which I strange. think is always really troubling. Yeah. Um generally. Yeah. Um, it does I mean we'll talk about it a little bit more with the whole nerd culture thing, mm. but yeah, it's it's odd how you're not you, you it's stubbornness just at the expense of potentially enjoying something or yeah. or, or being critical with a critical eye. Yeah, yeah. You know? Opening yourself up to a new idea or opinion and, mm. and yeah. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. But no, it is it is the the watershed thing, isn't it? It is. I mean, Harry Potter. A lot of people would say that was also equally important. I was never a big Harry Potter fan for some yeah. reason. In, in where I was with my friends at the time, it was like you were either Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. For right, some reason, okay. it was like a decision that someone made, and everyone stuck to it. Uh, and, you know, in my eyes, anyone worth their salt chose Lord of the Rings. But, I um, I did. I was batting for the team Lord of the Rings for sure. Yeah, yeah. I quietly enjoyed both though. Like, yeah, I did, I mean, you should you be know. able to, you know, yeah. obviously, but you know, you it know was it quietly when you're a teenager. Oh, absolutely. You've got to have strong opinions. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. You have to side. You have to take a side, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. back in what 2001. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> Which yeah. is when Philosopher's Stone came out. So there oh, you go. Well, yeah, I forgot this that early as well isn't it i remember having the top trumps for both lord of the rings and harry potter oh please any side of this partisan you know just in case i uh, yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no it's interesting i i think i think um harry potter perhaps is more escapism for a certain age group yes um more more um kind of gender neutral in terms of being like friendly i think lord of the rings is a bit more for the boys a little bit Okay. Or at least was when I was at school. Do you know what? Thinking about it, yeah, yeah maybe that is maybe more true in a, in a sense yeah. of just what people assume the appeal of that was. It, well, I'm not. I'm definitely not saying that Lord of the Rings is for boys. It's not no. like Hannah like absolutely loves Lord of the Rings, and I've like, yeah, it's just not true at all. But I think boys only, boys only. Hannah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only. You can't enjoy this. Get it's out, watching Fellowship. Yeah. <laughs> Why um, are you not wearing any clothes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, um, but but I think yeah, definitely at the time it was something that was more kind of patriarchal. I don't really know why. I think you might be onto something. But yeah, I think you're right as well with Harry Potter having a bit more of a broader appeal. Yeah, and having that escapism about you know being a wizard. Yeah, more child friendly. You know, that is inherently quite an escapist idea, isn't it? Being Completely. able to like have being thrust away from your kind of boring, sepia-toned English life. And getting kind of transported into this world of wonder where, like, I mean, and magic is real. Not only is magic real, you can do it. Yeah, but only, yeah. like, you and a select group of people. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, that is very, very escapist, actually. Yeah. Completely. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and it worked, clearly. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's on a par, isn't it? Mm. I'm not sure if it, in terms of, like, the overall impact, it's they're on a par, but certainly in terms of more the way people engage with culture now i would say they're on a par with each other aren't they completely yeah i think the difference with harry potter is uh you 
it sort of snagged a couple of generations, right? When they were like nine, ten, eleven, or twelve, yeah. and then you grew up with them. Mm. So, like Prisoner of Azkaban, which is my favourite one, came out, and it was a bit more grown up. Everyone was like, "Shit, okay, this uh, is developing." Yeah, and then yeah, by the yeah. last one, it's quite you know, it's quite deals with some hefty subjects, not in any real depth, but like it does, you know, that, that stuff's there, and mm. uh, you know, they got they started getting sort of French cinematographers in to do all of the... Like, <laughs> the, the guy that shot Inside Lewin Davis was, oh, like, really? involved with the sixth film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they, like, took a stab with, like, Alfonso Cuaron, who was known for... Uh, definitely, um, at the time, when, when he made Prince of Azkaban, he was known for making this sort of, like, coming-of-age road movie, which what, was that? Uh, Whitey Mama Tambian. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> and he'd yeah. just done that, and they were like, we're getting this guy in for... Yeah, that is a bizarre choice, isn't it? Really strange, yeah. Yeah, I'd not considered that. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that's the difference. With Lord of the Rings, obviously you had three films that were all shot at the same time. Very clear beginning, middle and end. Uh, but then Harry Potter was more, like, developed with generations. Yeah. Um, that, is a re- that is a point, but bizarrely, I hadn't considered, given mm. how obvious it is. But, yeah, that's no, right. no, well no. put, yeah. Oh. I think we... You know, you could spend ages talking about those two films, so I'm going to take yeah, us yeah. away and talk about something else. So we talk, we sort of touched on it, the idea with fantasy being escapism, but also the duality of fantasy, mm. and certainly the case of Lord of the Rings, and probably, if you mind, hard enough Harry Potter, but I'm not going to, because I'm yeah. not bothered. <laughs> Sorry. The duality being that, you know, obviously you can escape, or you can wallow in the sort of thematic intention, both positive and negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the film I wanted to mention was Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because that's sort of the, the definitive yeah. example of someone using the sort of key elements of fantasy that are central to the escapism, mm. rooting them in a period of history where I imagine for a lot of children wanting to escape was... Yeah, the desire to escape was higher than it probably usually would be. Yeah, yeah. But then fusing them together yeah. in a way that suggests the horror of both, the yeah. potential for horror within both. Mm. If I was just trying to think about like a standout fantasy moment post-Lord of the Rings, yeah, still in my sort of teens, you know, yeah, that'd be it. Oh, completely, yeah. Pan's Labyrinth, fuck, that's... um, That was the one of the first films I remember watching with subtitles and thinking, oh, I actually genuinely enjoyed that. It's, it's embarrassing to say, but before then, I used to kind of sneer at films with subtitles and think, oh, you know, they're sort of like high art that I'm not ever going to be able to understand. And then I watched Pan's Labyrinth, I was like, oh, no, okay. Yeah. This is like... Well, it's an entry point film, isn't it? I consider yeah. that... It's a bit off-piece, but that and uh, City of God... Yeah, La Haine. yeah, yeah. But they're the films that, like, I think have that managed to break out from mm. the sort of confines of the world cinema section yeah, in HMV. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> like world cinema just being for a certain strata of people, a certain type of person that's Completely. that way inclined. Yeah, I'm so glad it happened as well because, like, I was just restricting myself yeah. like, massively. But it is, you know, I mean, I think still think he's his finest hour, Del Toro. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. think he's. I mean, I like some of his newer stuff, but no, not to the level of Pan's Labyrinth. Devil's Backbone is... I mean, that was before Pan's Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. It isn't as good a film uh, as Pan's Labyrinth, but it has it has the DNA of Pan's Labyrinth in it. Yeah, like it's, it's set in the same... the trauma of the Spanish yeah. Civil War, isn't it? Yeah, completely. Like, there's that unexploded bomb, mm. Um, mm. and it's set in an orphanage as well, and yeah. it's always surrounding... You know, troubled children is quite often a, a key theme of, you know, a lot of fantasy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, like, obviously, kind of... Harry Potter and also like Narnia as well. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Vacuees, right? Yeah, so they're yeah. escaping the horror of conflict. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, yeah, just I think that, and that's what I love so much about Pan's Labyrinth. I've not seen it for a long time, but the idea of that sort of the the, the trauma, you know, mm. because it's a conflict that not a lot of people know a great deal about, and it's actually yeah. like it, you know, a country ripping itself apart and mm. exterior powers sort of throwing their oar in to sort of try and manipulate the sort of geopolitical situation. Yeah. But it's really about trauma, this shared trauma in a nation, which is still felt in the country today. And I think the way, obviously I'm not Spanish, um, my knowledge of the war is by no means detailed, but what the film does so well is it really entrenches that trauma centrally. The idea of people from the same country killing each other over ideology, um, being ripped apart by ideology, and having, yeah, disastrous ramifications for all involved yeah. and the idea that fantasy can only go so far you can't you know yeah. you, you can only take you so far because she's she's like the queen isn't she of the 
yeah yeah the fantasy yeah. world isn't she in oh it's so sweet but also it doesn't shy away from more disturbing aspects of fantasy as well like with you know the bloke with the the eyes on his hands amazing right? design so good yeah, yeah. yeah and then like the sort of tasks she has it's three tasks isn't it mm. she had to like kind of put herself through and it's almost like it's not just escapism in in the sort of Harry Potter wizarding world sense, right? It's also like a, a sort of therapy she's going through. I I always thought oh, okay. like she's kind of weirdly subjecting herself to sort of horrifying things that are that you know maybe to you know if she ever got there to prepare herself for what is clearly a pretty nasty mm. world, like you say, that's getting ripped apart. Yeah, interesting. Like yeah, it. I guess it speaks to the idea of of mythology again being central to the importance and I guess popularity of of um, the fantasy genre in the sense that it you know it does feel deeply embedded in mm. that the, the Spanish mythology and folklore. I mean, oh, my knowledge yeah. of it's very limited again, but I no. just think the idea of anchoring in your in your history in your culture, yeah, and. and um, I think that's a real sort of maybe more hidden sort of reason for its success. Yeah. Not just Pan's Labyrinth, but the genre, the genre more broadly. That's true, actually. Yeah. Like, I mean, you got, I'm, I'm struggling to think of anything, the sort of British equivalent at the moment, but I mean, England and, and Ireland and Scotland have got like really rich sort of folkloric history. I guess that would be, I mean, go back to the, the, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's probably yeah. it. I mean, like yeah. all of the sort of Celtic language was lifted for Elvish, wasn't it? And, yeah, yeah. And I guess as well, if you look at the films, you can see that influence in the design choices in Order of the Rings as well. Oh, like yeah. Like the armor and the weapons, yeah. particularly if you think about like Rohan, it's sort of very Saxon style. Yes, yeah. Sort of armor and weaponry. So obviously, it's anchored in that in that period of of, mm. of history. And yeah, I think that gives you a deeper sense of connection to it. Oh, completely. And if you're yeah. looking inwards as well, there's there's something quite sort of um, from the outside. There's something appealing in that too, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, because, definitely. Um, particularly if you think from the, the American audience perspective, yeah, they sort of fetishize our sort of oh my god, our sort of Western European history, yeah. culture, and mythology. So I guess there's like a more global appeal in that as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, just some some kind of American production companies' casting choices. Quite often, like the amount of sort of English actors that seem to break yeah, into Hollywood yeah, is like yeah. bizarre. Like you know, Christian Bale was Welsh, <laughs> yeah, for example. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and obviously Piers Brosnan as well. Is he Irish? I think yes, um, yeah. a lot of Irish actors, yeah. uh, and a lot of maybe actors that kind of come from a, a country that has has a lot of kind of Celtic mm. background. Yeah, they end up getting making it quite big. Uh, and yeah, you're right. That is probably because of that sort of slight fetishization of fetishized. I can't say that fetishization. <laughs> it's a hard word. It is tiff. Yeah. It's, it's tiff. Uh, apparently, the word tough is also really hard because I can't yeah. say that. Either. It's tiff. <laughs> <laughs> Tiff's a file format. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, uh, definitely. And I'm, quite, I'm weirdly quite proud of the sort of folklore side of it. I think I always thought that was quite fascinating. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it is I'm, fascinating. We, um, yeah. You know. Don't pretend to be kind of remotely patriotic, but if I were to choose something to be patriotic about, it would probably be you know things like yeah. Stonehenge and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, kind it's of fascinating. Rich history yeah, yeah, I agree. Before, before colonialism sort of took over. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh. Moving on from that, then talking about the presence of Dungeons and Dragons the, 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 as a film, as a fantasy movie, because yeah. there isn't really many of those about at the moment. Not really, really, no. In terms of a straight-laced fantasy experience, obviously I know there are lots of films that borrow elements of fantasy and, mm. you know, um, obviously you could argue that comic book films are pretty much fantasy films to some oh, extent. Oh, yeah, but even Star Wars. And yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, thing. like you, but for the sake of this discussion, straight-laced fantasy experiences are quite rare these days. Yeah. And I think a huge part of the reason for the, the presence of this film, I think, is the popularity of nerd culture yes yeah uh for example dungeons and dragons so mm. really heavily popularized in contemporary culture for quite a while now if you think about stranger things yeah and there's an impact that that has i mean that's like sort of like a, a minor aside obviously it's sort of really important to the characterization of of that series yeah um, because it's rooted in a certain period of time where mm. dungeons and dragons was obviously huge yeah the impact that had on Dungeons and Dragons, for example, is pretty seismic. It's, yeah, but it really took it away from what is the cliche sort of nerd. Mm. For a long time, the nerd was a, a deeply unpopular yeah. thing. You know, if you were a nerd, you weren't 
popular. No, you're, you're a, the kind of person that, in terms of a, in terms of a stereotype, would be destined to etch out the remainder of your existence in your mother's basement. Yeah, <laughs> surviving off Chicago town pizzas, <laughs> and clogging up your sink. Yeah, yeah, you know. So God, I mean, that my, was a stereotype. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't oh it? man, absolutely. You have like um, your, your own microwave in your bedroom. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's smart thing. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. you're all sallow, and your hair's sort of greasy and long, and you. Yeah. You're, you're alone as well. That, yeah, I think yeah, you're that's always really alone. key to it. it yeah, was always, yeah. th- they, there was never a group of, of those kinds of, stereotypically anyway, those kinds of Europe, yeah, folk. A bit of a loner, yeah. Mm. And what, I guess, this sort of exposure to things that are considered nerdy into the mainstream, what that does is it, I think it, it it makes it palatable. Yeah. Because we're sort of going through this thing where it's cool to be a nerd. Like, if you think yeah. about the impact that Marvel has had on comic books. Like, oh, my God, yeah. If you were like in your twenties, thirties, and had comic books, you were a fucking virgin. Yeah, yeah. As far yeah. as the society was concerned, absolutely. Yeah, you might yeah. as well chop your knob off or mm. wore barbed wire pants because no one was going near you. No, yeah. But now you go to most average Joe's house, and they've fucking got comic book art on the wall. Yeah, reams of comic books. It's, it's almost like a point of pride that they have these things, and yeah, yeah. and same with like even like video games. I mean, video games yeah. for a long time. It wasn't cool to be that into video games. No, Obviously, no. that's changed now as they've become progressively more mainstream. But, yeah. you know, I think, you know, there, there is something interesting in that. And I think things like Stranger Things, to bring it back to Dungeons & Dragons, mm. have made it a hugely popular uh, thing. And so many people I know play it. Like, people I just wouldn't expect. Again, yeah. because my brain defaults to these completely, I know, redundant stereotypes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just how you brought up, right? At yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. I remember being massively oh, into... Oh, one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Covertly, yeah. I was, like, massively into... Remember, like, Elder Scrolls, Oblivion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck it. I sank so many hours into that video game. Yeah. But I didn't talk about it. I mean, you know, I yeah. Like, I kept it to myself, man. There was, like, one or two mates who would be like, yeah, I, I completed that course oh, last God, night. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But it was one or two, and it would be covert. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. would not broadcast that. I, mean, I was... <laughs> Yeah, loved, like, I was all into the models and all yeah, that. Yeah, man. In fact, the reason I stopped doing it at school, uh, because we used to do, <laughs> this is sort of an aside again, <laughs> but like a, we had like a model club at school and there was a teacher who was really enthusiastic about it. And then one time we did it in the maths room and there was this maths teacher who I always thought was fucking lame. Yeah, yeah. Retrospectively, I think he's actually all right now. Yeah, yeah. He was like a new teacher oh. in his early 20s getting fucking ripped by loads of like 14, 15 year olds. So oh, if, you, yeah, if you hear this, Mr. Tiernan, I don't, you know, but at the time I thought you were a knob. So <laughs> for the sake of this, yeah. um, he was laughing at us. Oh, man. And you think, fucking hell, if a maths teacher yeah, thinks it, I'm lame, it? I don't stand a chance. That just speaks so much to how like society has changed in the last <laughs> yeah. twenty years. Doesn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. You would not get away with that now. No, like, no way. No, not not a and chance you, in hell. And you probably wouldn't get laughed at because it's like no. cool to be a nerd now. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's interesting. It's specifically within the context of Dungeons and Dragons as well, because in the sort of seventies and it would certainly the eighties, it was part of that sort of video nasties culture or that sort of or satanic. More yes. Like, more, more, okay. Not, sorry, more satanic. If you were into like metal music and Dungeons and Dragons, which were often con- considered sort of synonymous with one another, right? Yeah, yeah. You were like a devil worshiper. Wow, okay. it was really yeah. yeah you, it was yeah. like a count. It was almost like a countercultural thing to do. Okay, or yeah, viewed as yeah, yeah. by the sort of the dominant because there was that, that big witch hunt craze. Yes, yeah, and that was a big part of it. Oh, or right. the the sort of obsessed with like people that are into satanic practice or whatever. I mean, both have their roots in folklore, though. Yeah, so weirdly, it does it? kind of make sense. That comes around in circles. You see, yeah. it's not just a mindless jabbering <laughs> to sweaty losers. Yeah, yeah. No. There's, there's a plan. Got a microwave. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, full to the brim of Chicago town. Yeah, <laughs> God, those, those pieces. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, no, and now it's yeah, like I said, everyone's doing it. It's flourished. Yeah, I mean, actually, it was funny. I. At work, I mentioned that I was going to go see the Dungeons & Dragons film, and I immediately had to say afterwards, oh, I'm not massively into the tabletop game. But I would, then after saying that, I was like, oh, shit. Some people, because I said it in quite a sort of, you know, just kind of a deep, so deep-seated, I said it in a slightly sort of derogatory way. I didn't mean anything ill by it, but I did think afterwards, I was like, oh, there might have been a fair few people in that room who were massively into Dungeons yeah. & Dragons. Yeah, yeah, at- yeah. And now, of course, like I'm living in a time in which that's completely acceptable, as it should be. Yeah, of course. Have I just been like, ins- have I just insulted someone? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, just ragging yeah. on it. <laughs> Strange. Yeah, I mean, nerd culture is in, man. I mean, it's been in for a long time, but I think um, 
the application of fan culture is essential or one of the the strings to Hollywood's bow now. Yes. You yeah. know, like in terms of, we talk about this a lot, the idea of nostalgia or, or giving audiences what they want, mm. essentially either through nostalgia or through like responding to their sort of like vigorous campaigning, which is a huge part of this interaction now that the yeah. industry has with its consumer. They hold a huge amount of power in, yeah, Hollywood, in terms yeah. of how films are released the storylines of you know what yeah. of, of these films which films don't get released or, yeah. or you know and i just think that's too much yeah i mean i've just kind of off the top of my head uh i'm thinking specifically about Zack snyder's justice league yeah yeah and that got made because it was demanded by fans and fans alone i mean obviously the film was shot but there's an extra 70 million Mm. Warner Brothers had to spend on something they knew wasn't going to be releasable in cinemas because it was a pandemic. They spent seventy million doing basically giving it a new lick of paint and mm. re-editing it. It was better for it. Yeah, ironically yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got the, the reception was by and large warmer. I think it, the the consensus was that it still had a lot of issues. Yeah, but it was more tonally focused. Apparently, I've not seen. Yeah, it. Yeah, I have seen it. Um, uh, okay. It, yeah. I mean, because I I always had a bizarre soft spot for Snyder's DC films, even though they're sort of hopelessly juvenile. They do, they do this sort of annoying thing where they think because they've got a darker colour palette and a bit of blood in it that everyone thinks it's really adult and mature. Yeah, which yeah. I think is something DC do too much anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, with their films, but um, yeah, he, he it, it just comes across like a sort of like a teenager's approximation of what those themes and ideas should be. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm not saying that I dislike Snyder for that necessarily. Like I actually like the first like half of Man of Steel. I quite liked. Mm. The elements of Batman vs Superman I begrudgingly enjoyed. Oh, really? <laughs> um, even the original cut of the Justice League, which even though I was, it was crap, really. And I don't really say that about a lot of movies, but it really yeah, wasn't yeah. good. <laughs> um, there were elements of that I quite liked, so oh, I can okay. understand why there are these sort of crumbs in which fans can hold on to. But yeah. and I and I and I didn't mind the Snyder cut of Justice League when it came out. I thought this is actually all right. Okay, but yeah, yeah. the fact of the matter is, is that is that. That, right, that they should pander to that. I think there's something troubling about that. I mean, you could argue with the whole, the the reason why Snyder, because he had to obviously leave the project after a personal tragedy, the yeah. death of his daughter, which is obviously hideous yeah, no, for awful. him to deal with. And obviously that would have impacted the film mm. a great deal. But it's a, we just don't know how much it impacted sort of Warner Brothers' strategy with the movie and bringing yeah. in someone else to finish it. It was Joss Whedon, wasn't Joss it? Joss Whedon, yeah. Oh, fuck me. So, but I just think if you take that away and just think about the audience response and engagement and the sort of, I just think there's something inherently troubling about that. Mm. Yeah, I, I think so. I just don't think that they should be able to have that power. I know you could say, well, they're the ones that are buying the ticket, but it's like part of the brilliance of engaging with any film is waiting not, for a surprise waiting for right? a surprise yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, like sort of relying on the people that are making it mm. to make it and understanding that sometimes in life you're going to be disappointed yeah yeah and that's just the way it works completely yeah I, particularly um, when it comes to mainstream big films like that it's the start of a kind of melding together of right like audiences and pro- professional filmmakers right that that's already happening there's a kind of uh the lines are getting blurred in that respect. Mm. Um, and that, in a lot of ways, can be quite good. Like, you have a lot of films that cost ne- like you know next to nothing, getting a lot more attention than they than they ever would before, like the age of the internet and stuff like that. But then, when the, when the demands are coming from people who don't work in that industry, haven't got any idea how difficult it is mm. to, to enact those sort of changes... It, it, the film isn't going to be for everyone anymore. It's going to be for... Well, it never can be. Yeah, no. No film can ever, ever can be. No, even, no. Even the film that's got the broadest appeal is, is going to rub someone up the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, completely. And I, I just think... And everyone has their own individual... It's like we talked... We joked about this with about Star Wars. You mm. said that thing that the biggest Star Wars fan you, you know doesn't like Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's that thing. Like, everyone has their own view of what these things should be. When you think about comic books or sci-fi or any or even fantasy, you know, yeah. there are so many different ways of interpreting a, a text or a body of work that the film is, is being made from. Yeah, yeah. So the idea that your version is more important than anyone else's is mm. ridiculous. Oh, completely, yeah. And the idea that that should be more important than the vision of the creatives who have been 
give you know been paid to make the movie yeah yeah who've invested a significant amount of time into that movie and of course it doesn't always work i mean mm. snyder's films didn't necessarily work on a sort of universal mm. uh, way otherwise you know he'd still be making those movies yeah he'd yeah. still be spearheading dc into its new dawn yeah but the reality is it didn't work out and no. of course there are lots of people that thought it should have worked out but they shouldn't be allowed to say well actually no this should because they're even doing this thing now like james gunn is now helming dc isn't he he is yeah and he's getting a lot of flack from like snyderverse fans they're basically just going to make it their mission to like discredit every one of the films that comes out and i just yeah. think well those films may well be shit. Yeah. You don't know. No, no. But you shouldn't be doing that because you're bitter about not getting the version of the of the characters or the world that you want. Yeah. I think that's really weird. It is odd. And I, I mean, you have you have your Snyderverse, right? There's loads. Yeah. There's quite, there's what, four or five? There's a few films there. A few films? Just go and watch those again. Yeah. <laughs> if you're that, like, you know, if you're that kind of closed-minded and not open to a new filmmaker trying something different, which mm. I think should constantly happen, right? I think you should be like yeah. a prime minister almost. <laughs> yeah. You should have it for four years and then get someone new in and, like, you know, that would be really interesting and fresh and new and that, the world would be a better place for it. The cinematic world, anyway. Um, but... Yeah, the the loyalty almost hinges on cult cult like behaviour mm. uh, of being, and I get it. People like to feel part of a collective, but it's got to a point now where you can get some really nasty people who have the advantage of being anonymous, right? Because it's mm. the vast majority of this is things like you get it via Twitter and you Reddit get and, yeah, yeah all that kind of stuff it's never it's never really face to face I've never seen a fist fight about a, you know, <laughs> like a Snyderverse fan <laughs> yeah, yeah, kicking yeah. the shit out of like, <laughs> yeah. like someone who quite liked the Suicide Squad so they they have the advantage of being anonymous and that can bring out the worst in people and mm. um, yeah I just uh, I have there's almost a kind of incelly like thing about certain diehards like sort of Snyder fan I find quite troubling yeah I mean to sort of bring it back to fancy a little bit for me I think part of the reason why I've sort of fallen out of love with Lord of the Rings in general is because I probably would have been those people right if the internet was like that yeah I was yeah. so obsessed to, with it and so into it that mm. like if if they made something that didn't correspond with how I perceived the world and the characters yeah and I think about that and it's sort of to be that into something which is not real. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't be wrong. I adore cinema for many reasons, but one of the reasons is escapism, right? Completely. Of course. Like, mm. so it's not that I'm averse to that, but I think it's, I think it's troubling when you let you consume, it consumes you. Just thinking about that now with the Hobbit films came out and we were all, you know, Lord of the Rings fans, yeah. diehard Lord of the Rings fans. Or, Completely. You know, or people that were diehard Lord of the Rings fans obviously have a, uh, sort of still have a reverence for that world. And, and, and they, they were largely dreadful. Yeah. What was my response to that? I mean, most of us, oh, that was crap, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what else can you do? Like, I mean, there are lots of reasons why those films didn't work. A lot of industry reasons. Yeah. Um, a lot of issues, obviously, with New Zealand and Del Toro dropping out. And yeah. Jackson didn't have enough time to, to no. prep. Like, even he admitted he didn't have a clue what he was doing, yeah. which is always a, a, a sort good. of ominous <laughs> But thing. also, I think, perhaps Warner Brothers, who were they weren't involved with Lord of the Rings, it was New Line, but uh, it was Warner Brothers New Line oh, yeah, co-production. Bought, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, th- I think they might have listened to a few too many fans, maybe uh, who wanted all wanted different things, and they tried to pack it tight. Uh, the fact it was one book as well, like they packed yeah. it with all this content, which included like a weird love triangle and a lot of stuff, which yeah was in the appendices, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it really? You know? Yeah. I do think that part of the reason why those films didn't work was actually because of the the fact that there's there was a fan base who, you know, and I can say the same, like quite a fiercely loyal fan base who were expecting so much. Yeah. And when the expectation is so high, they You're never gonna deliver. No, there's no. not gonna be there's never gonna be one person calling the shots. It's gonna be a group of like studio execs all making different choices at different yeah, times and yeah. it's just a bit too scattershot anyway that's enough about the hobbit i could go on about the hobbit yeah, for a long time not great but, yeah but, i mean i think the point is is that we both didn't like the hobbit but we didn't take to reddit to demand that they made a new cut or no, God. um but well <laughs> maybe we did Maybe uh, we're just so embarrassed to admit that we did, we didn't. No, my yeah, my initial reaction was to say that they were good, actually. Oh, okay. I pretended to like them for a while yeah. and then eventually kind of thought, I'm a bit older now. I can well, say. Well, if you ever see any scathing reviews from uh, 
Bilbo underscore four twenty sixty nine. Wasn't me. Wasn't you? No, yeah, it wasn't yeah, me. No. no, I just think it's a real strange thing. I mean, of, of, of course, like nerd culture, as we keep calling it, or fandom. Mm. You know, it can be a wonderful thing. It, you know, you give people can have a community over a shared love of something, and that can yeah. create wonderful experiences for people. And I think it's important to remember that completely. Yeah. Um, but it's it's hard not to sort of um, only see the negativity of it in the current landscape of things. I mean, the way people fucking moaned about Star Wars, yeah, it was just like fucking hell. Like it's fucking Star Wars. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, it might be because I've never had a huge amount of reverence for Star Wars. Obviously, I, the original three are huge moments. Everyone, everyone. You know, worth their salt acknowledges that at least in terms of their impact on the cinema yeah um but i'm not a huge star wars fan so maybe this might sound like i'm being a bit uh dispassionate about it but i just think get, just get a grip yeah like, there's no other way i can say it get a fucking grip like go you in, didn't like it yeah go home and maybe you can like you know there's so much source material that you can just if you want to retreat to that source material it's there for you to exactly exactly so you, so you don't you know i don't know it's about control isn't it fundamentally and everyone yeah. just wants to control things that they love and some people are prepared to do that to the point where everyone else loses out yeah including the mental health of people that are involved in these things I mean, oh my god yeah. it's just like that's when you just have to get a grip but there's no other way i can i can say it apart from that really yeah because i you know uh, I think it's easy to forget that people that make this stuff make it because they love it. Yeah. They love acting. They love directing. They love uh, production design, right? Yeah. And you've got these kind of people who, yeah, you know, they might be getting paid a pretty penny, but they love it. If the result of that work, that really hard work they put in, is met with nothing but like vitriol, what's that going to do to somebody? You've got to really have to think carefully yeah, about yeah. that. You, you can, you can criticise and you can say, oh, maybe yeah. this might have, you could have done yeah. that differently, perhaps, but it's the it's the kind of cruelness that is enacted yeah. that is the the real problem. I think every filmmaker, I mean, I'd like to think would would. I mean, if I was a filmmaker, a successful one, <laughs> I'd like to think that making films for mass audiences is a privilege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that should always trump the feelings you have about people being negative about what you've made. Yeah, yeah. But obviously you're human mm-hmm. and you're obviously going to get frustrated because, you know, you've poured your heart and soul into something just for someone to sit on a sofa that's never worked in the industry to say it's shit yeah, without yeah. being able to expand on it. Mm. That must that must hurt. I'm not yeah. saying that you're not. But I think there has to be a degree of accepting that some people aren't just going to like what you've made. Yeah, 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 completely. Um, and you have to accept that. Mm. But you're absolutely right that when it, it, there's, a, there's a line. Yeah. You can say something shit and list why, and that's fine. Mm. But if you start going after people and start drumming up this sort of like um, this sort of toxic online amorphous mass of sort of twattery and then just sort of setting them loose on people because they didn't have the right colour lightsaber. Yeah. Or why yeah. is it a girl? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, I don't know what, you know, like, it's just the worst. They've assumed a set of rules that were never put in place <laughs> with <laughs> yeah. Star Wars. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. Oh, why can't, like, it doesn't matter. Like, the yeah, whole yeah. thing about this is this is a massive, big collection of galaxies with all sorts of different stuff going on. Yeah, and that's, yeah. like, the appeal. That's where the escapism should come from. It shouldn't be you saying, oh, but you didn't like this in the last one. Yeah, or like, back yeah. in the 70s, back in the glory days yeah, when it was yeah. all different. And, yeah, it just never... It's horrendous, and it's a real shame. It tars the legacy of mm. the property as well. Yeah. You think about Rick and Morty. Oh, yeah, yeah Like yeah. Everyone fucking loved Rick and Morty. You can go like, you know, you can have five com- separate conversations with different people and, and Rick and Morty not come up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the fans took hold and poisoned it. Yeah. And it, it's given it a bad smell. Has... Yeah, and that's not the fault of the creators at all. But no. So I don't think these people realise how much damage it can do. Maybe that's what they want because they want it to have it for themselves. I don't know. But Maybe. I just think that's when they're going to like takeaway shops and demanding Szechuan sauce and like oh, having that... paddies on the floor, like mock paddies about <laughs> it and stuff. I just think, fucking hell, like... How deep <sighs> into this are you? Yeah, like, wow, that's... Um... Quick, just quickly as well, I think uh, like final season of Game of Thrones. Um, I never really got into Game of Thrones. Did you watch it? I am notoriously dreadful with TV shows. Funnily yeah. enough, uh, my partner Georgia, she just got through it. Oh, right. And I sort of would watch half-heartedly every now and again when I'm like doing something else or mm. whatever. But um, I mean, the last season is crap. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, if yeah. you think about all that world building, which is essential to Game of Thrones and the yeah. idea of this sort of like adult fantasy. Yes, you know, yeah. 
because it's you know and I think in in some ways they did achieve that quite well thematically but I think visually they'd have like scenes with prostitutes and oh, stuff and right, it's just like yeah, this is yeah. just unnecessary <laughs> you're just doing that thing that people go god this is adult yeah oh it's yeah, fantasy yeah. it's like Lord of the Rings but there's hookers walking around with you yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. that's really adult you yeah, know that's a weird yeah. thing that they do and I found that a bit overbearing yeah. that's not even the question I was just started talking about that I don't know why no, 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 it's um, answering your question sorry but yeah the, eight, the the final season is just rushed and you can tell yeah. the two creators clearly had their eyes on other projects and wanted to sack it off yeah. like you can clearly tell that just from the way they rush these character arcs that by, by and large have been quite well developed mm. um, I only got to season three is the answer to the question okay, and I yeah, stopped yeah. because it's uh, to contradict that slightly uh, again to quote my friend Jan uh, he said it was like a, sort of like a medieval version of EastEnders, <laughs> and I thought that was when he said that. I because I was starting to feel this sort of feeling of yeah, about it. I'm just bored now, mm. and that was why. Okay, but yeah, for a lot of people, yeah. that wasn't the case. But yeah, carry on. That was a really no, mate, no, no, no. You kind of answered everything ridiculously. I just wanted to get your take on it. Focused ramble. It's fine. I think the same thing happened as like you you were saying about Rick and Morty. Is just like the the. The attitude towards the eighth season was like quite, um, quite nasty for a long time. Yeah. I remember people really of like with quite a lot of spite in their voices, voicing their displeasure for the eighth final season of Game of Thrones. And I did just think, like, like you said, the actual reason was like they were sick of it. There's yeah. eight fucking seasons of it, yeah. and and they hadn't got the source material. George anymore. R. Martin writes about a page of fucking decade <laughs> yeah, by yeah. the looks of things. So what's like, he doing? Yeah. Stupid hat off and just do some writing. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it can't be that hard. Can <laughs> no, it? yeah, I mean, you've, you've done it before. And really. again, the Game of Thrones books, not that well written, I didn't think. I, I've I, no, read, I've... I read the first two and was like, oh, I, never I mean, again, I'm not a literary critic by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. but I just thought, I think, I think, come on, mate, pull your finger out. <laughs> yeah, um, bizarre, interesting, but also equally, uh, yeah, met with a lot of really intense criticism. Uh, and I never, what I've, like you never watched nah. it never watched it with any kind of real no. interest uh but i can understand its appeal for sure yeah to bring it back to dungeons and dragons yes yeah we keep going off yeah on we do um, you go. um but you know like what i quite liked about the film mm. let's talk about the film let's, now let's do it yeah, yeah was that it didn't feel like it was placating any of that horrible fan shit no it felt sort of quite uh earnest yeah. and sincere yes and made with I guess as much creative control as you can get when you're making a blockbuster movie. Yeah. In terms of like, um, you know, embedding your sensibilities as filmmakers because both directors, Game Night, right? They Game Night, Game yeah, Night. which is so, really good. Yeah, yeah which yeah. was a real surprise for me. I, mm. I could sort of be a bit lukewarm to a lot of American comedies um, for some reason, but that it really took me by surprise yeah. Game Night. I really enjoyed it. So when I knew those these guys were directing it, I thought, well, obviously it's going to have those sensibilities yeah and they do a pretty good job of it don't they really they do yeah i mean it starts with casting for me i thought it was really well cast they didn't get like a plus list actors right i no. mean you say chris pine is pretty big but he's not like put your po- put his poster on your wall kind of big no, would you say no. um so that was a smart choice i think so they didn't come with any baggage no it was a really good start and they were charismatic and they're quite humble by and large i think like listen to a few interviews with them and they they seem just just happy to be working yeah it's really refreshing so they've got that they've got a really solid cast there yeah they just approached it with a real kind of sim- real simplicity which uh, a allowed me to enjoy it despite the fact i've never played the game no same never. um and i think that's the general kind of uh Attitude like a lot of a lot of people I've spoke to actually haven't seen it. Weirdly, I hope it's doing well because it deserves to do well. It's chugging along nicely. I think think they were speculating that it wasn't going to do as well as they perhaps would hope. Okay, but um, but they said it would. It was doing. It was doing fine. So it's got legs. That's yeah. I think it maybe the marketing of it's not been great, Mm. and the fact that it sort of just came out of nowhere. Because when we were trying to think of a film to do this week, we were Dungeons and Dragons. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even fucking know much about it. So like, I I think. might be test down to that maybe and yeah. maybe the appetite for 
that kind of fantasy isn't as strong as it once was. I don't know. No. I also remember distinctly thinking the trailer wasn't very good. No, I remember it wasn't thinking great. it suffered from that same kind of Ant Manny type humour thing. Yeah, the, yeah. What did you call it? False irony. Yeah. Which yeah. is in that Shazam trailer, which played just before Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. That, that bit where he's like, I just threw a dragon at him. I love my life. You know that. Yeah, thing. yeah. Always like they, when they rip off the Simpsons joke with yeah, the guy that's. Yeah, yeah talking to to someone on a sofa and he's like, I'm a paediatrician. It's just like a watered-down, shitty version of the Simpsons joke with the yeah uh, the furniture salesman. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> dreadful trailer, fucking dreadful. I mean, yeah. that film looked fucking wank. Again, mm. I've just talked about not making... There's probably people involved with that film have poured their heart and soul oh, into it. Into the Sorry. trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that trailer was... It was horrendous. Yeah, yeah. So I, you're right, actually. Like, I think a, a, bad, a bad trailer can put a lot of people off. Mm. Um but actually, I was surprised to see because uh, the trailer was filled with computer-generated imagery, right? And I was like, "Oh god, here we go!" I remember you saying uh, at the end of the last podcast, "I'm quite keen to watch something after this one that doesn't have any CG in it." Yeah. Was yeah. CG heavy, but some real locations in there, some really yeah, like yeah. palpable. I think it was shot in a lot of it was shot in around Ireland. Um, it's the sort of fantasy go-to, is completely, it? yeah, yeah. Ireland or, or, or New Zealand, yeah, for it. the right mm-hmm. reasons, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. There's a studio in Belfast which can. Uh, there's a lot of you know. It's not the biggest country in the world, so you can travel to a lot of different interesting uh, locations. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. So a lot of real tangible sets, which is really refreshing. Harking back a little bit to Lord of the Rings. Totally, it's not Lord of the Rings at no. all. Completely different sense of humor. Completely different just attitude towards fantasy but uh in terms of locations and also pyrotechnics surprising amount of real explosions in this yeah, film yeah, yeah quite yeah. liked that uh don't know why i just remember thinking that you don't see that a lot now like avatar had so much like shitty cgi fire in it yeah, um, yeah. i always have my little bit my little visual effects sort of segment yeah, yeah. yeah i like it um yeah really impressive actually uh, yeah i thought it was, it's it's funny because I think you're sort of conditioned to be vaguely cynical about any major blockbuster release, especially if it's a new property, mm. because you just think it's probably going to to have to play ball against the big boys. It's going to have to sort of play by their rules, which will probably make it either a cheap imitator or just shit by the basis that <laughs> the tropes that they're trying to satisfy have been just done to death. Yeah, yeah. And what I quite liked about, whilst it's obviously a blockbuster movie, it's obviously using like comedy, it leans on comedy quite a lot to mixed results. It's not as consistently funny as it probably wants to be. No, yeah. But when the jokes do land, I was surprised how funny I found the film. Yeah. <laughs> and I was surprised how overall, how much I enjoyed the film mm. on the basis that it was just earnest straight-laced fun yeah it wasn't tied down by sort of fandom or any of that twattery it didn't feel like it was constantly marketing itself or marketing aspects of itself to me yeah like marvel always does or like yeah it wasn't thinking ahead was it it no. wasn't like the sequel i mean they of. are apparently the directors have got ideas for a sequel they really want to chase they've not even thought about it so yeah, like no. you know, it just feels sort of like a bit more unshackled. And when, when that happened, it just felt like a more sincere blockbuster experience. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, okay, like, it, you know, it wasn't the kind of blockbuster experience that's uh, that will stay with me forever, nor was it a film that didn't have problems. I thought it was far too bogged down with exposition. Yeah. It was a bit raced around a bit too much. Um, but fundamentally, I don't think that's what the film is concerned about. It's not concerned about world building too much to an extent that really no I know the exposition was more character focused yeah yeah um, which were kind of tropes you're more than familiar with if you've been going to the cinema for <laughs> the last few years but overall I'd, yeah so I just wanted to say I was pleasantly surprised I think we both were we came yeah. out of the cinema like and we sort of said in our intro that we don't really have a lot to say and that isn't negative it's no it's just no, no. how much can you say other than this is just a fairly well put together well acted fairly well written block slice of blockbuster fodder that is actually quite enjoyable yeah you know? yeah yeah completely a very satisfactory little watch and um if you're on the hunt for a bit of escapism look no further at the moment anyway yeah. really um you know if, if if john wick's a little bit too heavy for you <laughs> <laughs> dungeons and dragons is out it's and like it's bizarre for me to say those two things in like any kind of in any kind of recommendation sort of way because it's usually those uh, Dungeons and Dragons is the thing being 
not forced on me at all, but a lot of people try and get me to play it. <laughs> like I know <laughs> yeah, a few yeah. people that's like, oh, you should give it a go. And I'm, I think you might have said the same at some yeah, point. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, but I, I'm kind of, I'm, I don't think it's, it's not really encouraged me to explore the tabletop thing any more than I was curious about it before yeah. but that wasn't his intention and again like you were say, saying before that's a really good thing it wasn't trying to mark it wasn't even trying to market the game no it was like it's, this is our own property that paramount had it for since 2007 i think who had it before because it was that film made in 2000 yeah. courtney solomon who got it for it this is quite an interesting story actually i had a feeling you'd know something yeah, about it yeah. go for it so as far as i'm aware this is what happened he was so up for making a Dungeons and Dragons movie that he pretended to be like a student and called up the people that owned the rights, which is the people that had like made the game or at least is were, were in charge. Of the coast? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got in with them, pretending to be like a student researching for something, and then one day just admitted, oh, "The only reason I knocked on your door is because I want the rights to make a film." And they let him. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like insane. Like, did, he, did he direct it? He he ended up directing it. And his yeah, intention never was to direct it. He was going to find... Uh, James Cameron was involved at one point. <laughs> I'm not joking. Yeah, wow. yeah. Okay. Um, But he end, I think like, a lot of things didn't go so well and they ended up... Uh, he ended up doing it himself. He was quite young as well. He was like pretty like i think he's like 22 or something oh, really he directed it yeah directed jeremy irons at 22 that must bizarre. be a daunting prospect yeah uh, it's such a strange story but anyway sorry yeah I, I mean i have i mean oh god i mean the last time i saw this film was when i was probably about 10 or 11 right yeah yeah um <laughs> i remember thinking even then it was not very good yeah marlon wayans is in it yes that's the thing that really stands out for me <laughs> Yeah, Marlon Wayans from Requiem for a Dream, yes. no less. Yeah, and Scary Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was there for that kind of, because of that, you know, that sort of sense sense of humour that he had. Yeah, I yeah. remember a lot more than that, Marlon Wayans wearing a stupid hat. Yeah. That's all I can remember. But, a lot of uh, polystyrene looking sets and things. Yeah, like, yeah. Sort of like dodgy green screen. No, odd. Odd story about the rights that kind of eventually came back to Paramount. Okay, and then uh, of course... Then this happened, yeah, yeah. Which jumped forward a few years, and indeed. here we are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like Michelle Rodriguez as well in it. I actually thought, just as a quick aside, like her character, she plays a stereotypical kind of tough, tough girl, right? Yeah, that kind of tough, uh, no nonsense. I don't know what the right word is to describe that. Brawler. Kind of, yeah, yeah, that's right. Does that sort of play into the archetypes of Dungeons and Dragons? I think you have different characters for different things, don't you? That all have different. Yeah, I'd, like I'd, abilities that you can play. Yeah, like or, a brawler or a fighter or a, a, I think a, so. a thief. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of, yeah. So I was expecting that performance again from her because that's what we always get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, actually thought she was a lot more likeable than, mm. than a lot of her previous roles. I was like, she's like, I'm getting on with Olga, it's Olga isn't it? Yeah, yeah. She's got like a real arc and she's got, you know, that, that whole thing about... Her taking care of the child was like really unexpected. I'm like, this is like, this is kind of uh, Michelle Rodriguez, who's usually like typecast as a sort of yeah, like the brawler. Just it's odd, but like, oh yeah, I was just really surprised by the way her kind of character developed. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. for a blockbuster as big as this, 150 million dollar film, I was like, oh, that's actually yeah, smart, yeah. smart casting and throwing something, something else would be there. Good stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Again, I've just sort of. Hugh Grant? No, oh, yeah, He yeah, was yeah. quite fun, isn't it, I guess? He was, yeah, yeah, I liked him. Yeah. Uh, and I don't like him in a lot of stuff, actually. Oh, really? You're, I, not, you're not a big... Um, I have I have a problem with posh British actors. Fair like enough. Colin... Uh, yeah, Colin Farrell. Colin, Farrell. Colin Farrell? Colin, I was about no, to say Colin Farrell. That, yeah. Yeah, Colin, yeah. Colin I love Firth. Colin Farrell. Yeah, yeah Colin yeah. Firth uh, annoys me. Uh, Hugh Grant annoys me. Hugh the, Laurie annoys me sometimes. They do have this tendency to be put in films that only tend to be the kind of films you, for like, upper middle class people. Like the yeah. King's Speech is oh, just like yeah. it's a Daily Mail reader's paradise, isn't it? Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and you just think, fucking hell, this film's annoying. You're annoying. So yeah, yeah. I can understand. And everyone else around you is saying it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. 
Uh, but yeah, um, uh, I, he surprised me in this. I thought he was a, a little bit too kind of annoyingly British at points. Like there's a bit where he talks about tea and I'm like, oh god, yeah. stop it! It's not funny. I don't yeah. care. I know maybe that joke landed in America. It probably did. It probably yeah. brought the house down. Yeah. Yeah. Focus groups were like clapping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but apart from that, yeah, he was good. Uh, I liked him. Liked him in the role that he played. As that he's kind sort of, of had a sort of change, isn't he? He's he's going for those roles a little bit more now, like Paddington Two. Yeah, yeah. I, lot of, I actually haven't seen Paddington Two, but I know a lot of people got quite excited about his performance. Not not much more I can say about it other than yeah, earnest fun. Yes, definitely. And in a in a cynical world, sometimes that's quite nice. Great stuff. Great stuff. Questing the cinematic void. There we have it. Then another week, another ramble. Yes. Lofty, incisive. <laughs> rewarding. Re- arousing, rewarding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting to talk about that. Yeah. That's a real surprise again, I have to say. I really didn't expect... I really expected to come out and be like, right, we've got another podcast about just us two saying how shit something is. And yeah. it's quite nice to not do that. I, I thought so, yeah. yeah. Good to just sort of... Yeah. Be positive. Be positive change. and... Yeah. And talk about fantasy films, which I haven't actually seen that many of them. No, uh, I was thinking that actually in prep for the for the episode and trying to like find films, but I just you know like it's quite hard. Yeah, yeah. few and far between. I mean, they're, they're they're around, but I just never. I'm a bit of a yeah. It can never get better than Lord of the Rings type person. <laughs> Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, that's, that's true. Just come to my head. We yeah. talk about that. Right, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another hour and a half. Brace yourselves. Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on then. Always looking onwards, propulsive sinner boys. <laughs> uh, we're going to cover. Well, we're going to move away. Yeah. From blockbuster cinema. Yeah. We've camped within blockbusters for quite a while now. I'm sort of getting a bit fatigued with it. I don't know about you, as much as I, you know, not to sound pompous, but no, no, you know, I, I love obviously the bang bang sort of films. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, it's it's nice to sort of go back to something a little bit more focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So with that in mind, we're going to be covering The Beasts. Yes. Uh, a work from Spanish director Rodrigo Sorogoyen. Oh, <laughs> sorry, pal. Um, he's going to be gutted, mate. Yeah, yeah, he's going to hear this and think, you bastard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bet you voted to leave as well, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> it's a film that I caught the trail of. I was in uh, the watershed, one of our local cinemas, mm. a couple of weeks ago, watching um, The Five Devils, which is very good. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Uh, I think it's coming on to movie. Nice. Yeah. So check it out if you haven't seen that. Very good. But this this trailer came out and immediately gripped me. Yeah. It seems to be about a, a, a French couple farming in rural Spain. Yeah. And their practices and approaches to farming rub up the wrong way with the locals who already have like this almost sort of uh, xenophobic attitudes. Okay. So um, and it creates tension and and hostilities as a result. Sounds a little bit like uh, the. Uh, British sitcom The Good Life mixed with Straw Dogs. <laughs> it's no, funny, yeah. actually. I was thinking Straw Dogs. That might be something to talk about. Because I think so, yeah, yeah. The idea about this sort of quiet horror in, in rural areas and mm. all it needs is something, some disagreement or something, and it just, yeah. just bursts. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's a lot more dog-eat-dog, I guess, or at least is portrayed that way in a lot of films. Uh, yeah, yeah. A, so a lot of films. Interesting. To, to, interesting. I, li- I know very little about the director. Apparently, he's hailed as someone that's very good at suspense films. I've not seen any of his previous work. Yeah, yeah. We'll try to catch to the work if we can. Yeah. If not, I think there's still... It looks to be a film with lots of potential talking points mm. and uh, lots of opportunities to talk about films of a similar ilk. Yeah, which I yeah. guess we we'll only know after we've seen the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we still have the Blokesploitation podcast in mind. Yes. Um, really keen for that one. But I think I might need a bit of research. I was thinking I need to watch Rise of the Foot Soldier again for some yeah. reason. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's coming soon as well. Perfect. Um, but in the meantime, our first foreign film thinking about yes it. it is yeah 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 we're such cultural bottom oh feeders oh my god yeah. unbelievable so many opportunities and we're like uh dungeons and dragons uh, yeah and man and the wasp quantum mania <laughs> awesome. yeah. oh such hacks <laughs> right yeah anyway in the meantime uh i hope you enjoyed this episode yeah uh thank you for your continued support and we'll uh be in your ears for the next one yeah see you then bye bye <laughs>